Hey guys, it's Pete Troopas of Starting Strength Orlando in the greatest state in the union. Giving you the rundown on everything we got going on with Starting Strength Gyms. For camps coming up, we do have one camp at a Starting Strength Gym that's on March 20th in Austin, Texas, and that is a squat and deadlift camp. We do have a few more camps that we're going to add in Starting Strength Gym, so stand by for that. As far as gym announcements go, we did sign on Tulsa, Oklahoma. So they're going to have a location for pre-sales going on. We still have Chicago that is running their pre-sale event at a discounted rate. So check that out. Don't delay. And then, of course, all of our open and operating gyms continue to add members and fill up classes, folks. So if you are looking for a specific time, do not delay. Classes fill up, and once they are full, they go to waitlist mode. So if there's a specific time and day you want, make certain that you sign up. Also, we continue to need coaches. So... If you are thinking about becoming a professional coach or if you've ever considered doing this for a living, we do have a program to help develop our coaches. So not only do you get to talk to and hang out with in a capel, we also have a program where you can learn to become a coach through our coaching development program online. For more information on how to become a coach in a gym, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com, check out the coaching tab, fill out the form, and get linked up with Inna. For more information on our coaching development program, head over to startingstrength.com, go to the coaching tab, and you'll find it there. Our next seminar is in Wichita Falls. That's on April 1st through the 3rd. And then lastly, for noteworthy events, we do have our Wichita Falls Strength Lifting Meet. That's on April 23rd, of course, in Wichita Falls with some spots left. So if you want to test out your best squat, your best press, and your best deadlift, make certain to sign up for that. Travel to Wichita Falls and put it to the test. For more information on anything that I've talked about regarding Starting Strength Gyms, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com and have fun. All right, we're here with Nick Delgadillo. Uh, we're bringing him back on the show. Nick just uh, announced an event. So Lift, Shoot, Fight on April 30th to May 1st, 2022. It'll be the first event of its kind. It'll be at the Wichita Falls Athletic Club in Wichita Falls, Texas. Um, since Nick is putting this on, and it's a bit of an experiment, I thought we would talk to Nick today about self-defense. Um, I did one of these weekends with Nick in North Carolina last year, and it was awesome. So if you're, if you're into self-defense, if you're interested in getting into self-defense, you might enjoy this episode. Um, Nick, I thought we would start by talking about your recommendation to somebody who has no experience with self-defense and is interested in getting started. So what do you recommend? Do they get strong first? Do they learn jujitsu first? Do they learn to shoot first? Obviously, it's situational, but what uh, what general advice do you have? Man, that's a, that's a pretty loaded question. Um, the, the thing is... Let me answer it like this. So you have to be strong no matter what, right? So uh, whether you're interested in self-defense or not, uh, strength training needs to just be part of your existence, <clears throat> um, physical existence. So that should always just be a default assumption that you're going to be doing some strength training of some kind, uh, preferably barbell-based strength training um, on a smart, intelligent, logical progression uh, like we advocate. But that's just going to be part of the deal. So, uh, and for a few reasons, um, primarily, you know, in terms of just physical performance, uh, it, it affects all the performance characteristics, just like we always talk about, but, uh, in terms of self-defense and fighting and hitting somebody and grappling with somebody, if you are stronger, you're more capable, you're harder to deal with. You are just by default, more robust, um, able to handle things better. So, you know, bones, muscles, all the stuff that is involved in, in movement and fighting all is improved with, uh, with strength training. So let's, uh, let's take the strength training part kind of out of it because we just need to assume that you're going to be doing that. If you're not doing that and you're relying only on skill, whatever that may be, striking skill, grappling skill, um, you are leaving a huge gaping hole in your uh, capabilities. Uh, if you take two guys who are of equal, uh, skill, um, you know, and this is, these kind of things are always like hypothetical and theoretical and shit, but you take two guys who are about of equal skill, the stronger guy is going to, is going to be better. Um, and it's hard to argue with that, right? If you are actually involved in, uh, training with people and fighting people, you know how much harder it is to 
deal with a new person who is really just brutally strong, whether they were a power lifter or uh, worked on a farm or whatever their whole life, those guys are just going to be really hard to deal with. Um, and the typical recommendation is to, uh, well, don't use your strength, right? Because you're not, uh, you're not learning any skill. Now there's some truth to that, but if strength didn't matter, why would you have to tell somebody that? Right. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, so let, let's just, uh, let's just say you're going to be strength training because you have to be strength training, um, <clears throat> strength and conditioning are part of this whole deal. So strength forms the base of that, uh, performance pyramid. Like if you think of, you know, your base capabilities all the way up to the very specific skills that you're going to need and whatever it is that you do, strength is always going to form the base of it, unless you're doing, um, ultra, ultra endurance stuff. Um, so strength is a deal. So you gotta be training, right? We, we agree there, right, Ray? 100%. And I think there's, um, there's another aspect of, of being big and strong that I can relate to that you can't because you've been, you've been a big guy your whole life. And I used to be a small guy. And when it comes to self-defense, my point of view is the best thing you could do is avoid the situation in the first place. Um, so if you're six foot two and 170, like I was, uh, you know, and there's a bunch of drunk assholes around trying to prove a point or be tough guys, I'm an easy target. And, and I've had a lot of those experiences throughout my life. People, uh, wanted to prove a point on the tall skinny guy, um, which prompted me to get big and strong and learn how to fight actually. But interestingly enough, since I've been 240 plus, not only have I had nobody attempt to pick a fight with me, I haven't even had anyone um, shoot the aggressive eyes my way. (laughs) So uh, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's it's, you know, fighting is is primal. It's your id. It's the animal stuff. Other mammals understand size. And when you look at another person, you without thinking, you know, whether or not that risk is worth taking. So being, being big and strong, not only is effective and useful, if you're going to try to defend yourself, but it will also get you out of a bunch of situations before they even start. If you're the big, confident, friendly, strong guy, your chances of getting mixed up in some nonsense that you didn't start are much lower. And I can tell you that from personal experience. Yeah, physical size uh, implies capability. And that's not, that's not true. You know, uh, in in a lot of instances, that's not actually true. So when you look at somebody, you're automatically going to size them up on some level. And just being physically imposing uh, plays a huge part in that calculation, right? And it doesn't just apply to to fighting somebody, it's just actually uh, in your interaction with people, you treat people who are small, um, differently than people who are big and imposing. Uh, that's just, that's just the way we are. Right. Uh, but absolutely, you know, people don't, people don't generally, uh, people generally avoid me, you know, um, like in the, the only time people haven't avoided me is over the last two years, uh, you know, uh, because they want me to put a mask on or something. But other than that, you know, my interactions with people in the, in, in the, in the world are extremely limited. Uh, people avoid me, and uh, for for whatever reasons, right? I'm brown and I'm big, and uh, it may be a little bit intimidating looking. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, being big, being strong, uh, all those things factor in. But just in terms of outside of the posturing and the and the uh, uh, the mental side of things, in terms of the physical capability, being strong is, is absolutely critical. Uh, being strong lets you be better conditioned. Being strong helps you to apply skill better. Uh, yes, you, you can be sloppier if you're stronger. You have to be more technical. You have to be more proficient if you're smaller and not as strong. <clears throat> but that does not, uh, in my opinion, mean that you should hold back your strength training. You should, you should be doing it. because it, And at the same time, strength training takes a long time to acquire. Uh, it improves all your physical characteristics. So why not work on it at the same time? Yep. Um, One point so, to add on, yeah, on that, be Nick. big. So go ahead. What, when it comes to uh, getting bigger and stronger, and that being a deterrent for other people to mess with you, I've definitely seen it go too far. I've seen big, strong guys yes. who have no idea how to fight, get this extreme right. level of confidence, and want to puff out their chest at every opportunity. And that is so unbelievably dangerous, because people right. that know how to fight, people that have been in fights, um, 
know that that you don't want to volunteer yourself for that situation unless unless you're mentally unstable or drunk that's not a that's not a sane rational thing to do um and i i know a few people that uh definitely their ego is ahead of their skill set um and if something happened and they were attacked the overwhelming feeling of emotion that takes place during that moment and your ability to react in a way that's effective um the, the emotion ramps up and your ability to react goes to zero and it's it's embarrassing um, I've seen I've seen big guys really embarrass themselves, uh, and that's that's, that's right. the the least of your concerns if you're in a situation like that. So, the right. the point here is, just like Nick said, you have to be strong. Spend your time getting stronger. That is the baseline for all physical endeavors. Um, just be very careful not to let that go to your head. And just because when you walk into a room, you can people can feel your presence and you notice make sure that doesn't give you the the idea that you somehow are physically capable when you're not. So try to be very self-aware about your capability. Well, yeah, you've got to layer the skill on top of that, right? Because the strength without anything else doesn't doesn't matter. It's just like it's the same thing as owning a gun and not being able to use it, right? The vast majority of the 400 million people who own guns in the United States probably have no idea how to actually use those um, under stress in a fight under attack. Right. So uh, it's the same thing. Right. You got a bunch of strength, uh, but you've never actually uh, trained at all. You've never been in a fight. Uh, You don't know what's going to happen until it happens. So, yeah, you've got to layer the skill on top of that. Absolutely. No question. All right. So, so yeah, I hope nobody's taking. Oh, no, go ahead. I hope nobody's. Yeah, I hope nobody's taking the uh, idea that you should just be big and strong as like good enough because it's not right. This is in support of the skill that you're going to learn. Right. It's the baseline. Um, Yeah. So, so Nick, it, uh, someone listening, let's say they've been through the novice linear progression, they've gained some size and strength. Cool. The baseline's there. Where do they get started in self-defense? What's a good place to start? Um, it, it depends on what you have access to. So um, my, I wouldn't say my background because I started in, in Muay Thai way, way back and then got into uh, submission grappling the guy I was training with was a uh, uh at the time what they called an nhb right caged cage fighter which is we all know is mma now uh so we did we did submission grappling too <clears throat> um and we did a lot of security work and a lot of uh um like supplemental security work and stuff like that so i, I was kind of lucky to be involved in all that kind of stuff early on um but some years passed, and then I got into uh, into Krav Maga, which was very popular. It was kind of new uh, in the early 2000s, <clears throat> and it, it, it made a lot of sense uh, at the time. And it still does make a lot of sense in terms of the principles, right? So it's, you know, it's about trying to be efficient. It's about uh, reacting to a uh, an attack um, violently and with as uh, as few tools as as necessary. And uh, and then ending an encounter quickly, right? So all that stuff makes makes really good sense. Um, <clears throat> and when you take those principles and you apply them correctly, uh, it's exactly the way that self defense should be done. The problem is that it got very popular very quick, and uh, things got um, things got institutionalized in in the um, like in the curriculums and the way people are teaching things. And things split up, and then things started to get kind of silly. And then you ended up with uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Krav Maga instructors uh, that are essentially teaching uh, fitness classes, right? Yep. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you're teaching self-defense, you should be putting on a helmet and uh, some gloves and getting some weapons out and testing to see if if what you're doing actually works. And most most guys don't do that. Yep. Uh, most Krav Maga guys don't do that, and most uh, self-defense instructors don't do that. So, um, anyway, let, let me pause you there for uh, a tip that this is, this is worth stating explicitly. If you decide to train martial arts and your martial arts does not, your martial art does not include sparring against, uh, an opponent that is attempting to resist. So real life, actual simulation, not choreography. Um, don't expect it to work on the street or in the ring. Yeah. Or, or even just pressure testing of some kind right? Just learning a technique and then, and then pressure testing even a little bit. There's ways to do that with normal people who aren't interested in beating the hell out of each other. 
uh, there's ways to do that with your your accountants and your nurses and your house house moms um, <clears throat> and 50 year old uh, out of shape dudes. There's ways to to teach them skills and then pressure test them at a, at a level that they they can uh, they can succeed. <clears throat> or not succeed depending on the situation, but they won't beat the hell out of them and won't make them want to never do it again. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so there's, there's ways to do that, but it's, uh, it's just like what we deal with with strength training, right? That's kind of the next level of coaching that uh, is required, which most instructors in the world don't possess that skill. They don't, they don't, they just teach what they teach and they don't really know how to, how to go beyond that. Right. So um Anyway, like our pressure testing initially was just uh, sparring. You know, we still sparred. We, we rolled uh, multiple times a week among the instructors and kind of the advanced students. And we did, we sparred at least an hour uh, every, every set, every day that we had classes. So uh, we were still, we were still fighting and, and doing that kind of stuff. And, and that bled over into the way we taught Krav Maga. And then eventually we just kind of dropped, well, I just kind of dropped the curriculum stuff and uh, used the stuff that seemed to work well. And, uh, and then just uh, disregarded a lot of the, the bullshit that was involved. So, um, so anyway, the, the answer is most people think of something like Krav Maga self-defense. And it's just like anything now, right? It's just like, um, let, let's use CrossFit as an example, right? So it, it, when you think about CrossFit, you may be looking for a very specific thing. Um, and there's really, really good people, good coaches out there doing CrossFit. And there's a whole bunch of them that are terrible and not very good at all so it's the it's the same situation there are a few people using the name using the name Krav Maga associated with what they teach and they're very very good but they are very few and far between yep. so um which is a good lesson for us up, by the way Nick because we have to be careful to never become CrossFit or Krav Maga right so sure. grow more sure. slowly and make sure the quality standard doesn't drop right yeah yeah, so uh, well, you and I went out to uh, to fit to fight last March, and uh, you know they they still mostly call what they do Krav Maga, and that uh, that's nothing like what you thought Krav Maga was, right? Because you've at least seen it, and it's uh, it's pretty fucking silly, and that's not what we did there, right? Well, my impression of Krav Maga was not good because we'd have guys that were into Krav come over to Ruka, um, the BJ Penn uh, training center in Costa Mesa, California, where we used to, to train, um, Muay Thai and, uh, they'd want to, they spar thought they could us. fight. They'd want to spar. Yeah. With they us. thought they could fight. You know, it was, uh, right. cause, cause no one's going light on them. They want to, they want to spar. We're going to spar. And it, right. they, their confidence was, was way too high. Their skill was way too low. Um, right. And, and there are so many goofballs in the crowd world that the, the brand name has been tarnished. So yeah, I, I had a pretty, right low view of Krav when you told me you were into it I was kind of surprised and wondered and then when I met your buddy North Carolina I was like okay these guys are these guys are legitimate and speaking of which you do you want to plug them real quick in case anyone's in that part of the country and want to check those guys out yeah well and that's what I was going to say well it, it, they've got affiliates all over the place so it's fit to fight Ryan Hoover's the the head guy there um and it, if I was going to send somebody to a Krav Maga place uh a lot of them still call themselves Krav Maga uh if they're a fit to fight affiliate I think they're good to go. So go train there. Otherwise, you know, proceed with caution. Um, because, because I don't know, you know, there's just, uh, um, I've been involved with that stuff for a long time and most of it is pretty terrible. Yep. Uh, it's just like you said, you know, I, and I would go to instructor trainings, you know, we, the, the main center was in LA and I went out there a handful of times and you, you, you're supposed to spar and, uh, you can just tell that most of these guys spend zero time actually, uh, hitting each other, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> uh, so Krav Maga, this, the self-defense, the combatives guys, they're all, uh, they're, they're, they're hard to find. There's a few, uh, people that I would recommend, but unless you're like, unless you're nearby, unless you, you unless one of them is close to you, um, it's not likely that you're going to get decent training. The good thing is that, uh, like good, good combatives and self-defense training is, uh, is seeming to get more and more popular. And I think, I think it's a result of BJJ being so popular now. Yep. Uh, people are like, well, how do I add, how do I incorporate my gun or the things that I carry around into my grappling? So then it kind of naturally flows into this, you know, wrestling and grappling and, and integrating your weapons into what you do. So um, anyway, fit to fight guys are great. Um, uh, anything shiv works, you know, 
Craig Douglas is, is amazing. The guy's awesome. Teaches fantastic courses. Um, and, you know, kind of one of the originators of this integrated uh, fighting stuff, weapons and close contact and all that. So um, there's a handful of guys that, that do his stuff. There's a, a guy in Boise, Paul Sharp, um, who uh, is one of the uh, OG kind of shipworks guys, and he's up there. So there's a handful of those people around. Again, if you can find them, go train with them. Um, <clears throat> but for most people, most places, folks, uh, something where you can, um, something where you are going to go against the resisting opponent from day one. All right. So I'm gonna, let me start, let me start there. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the thing is that you've got to be, whatever it is that you're learning, um, if you are going against pads or somebody who's hundred percent compliant, or you're doing like choreography or like learning dueling, which is essentially what a lot of like martial arts is. Um, it's not real fighting, right? Because there's an element of, of uncertainty of what the other person is going to do and you having to respond to that or be ahead of that, or at the, at, at a higher level of proficiency, you creating opportunities for yourself. You know, like um, if you want a guy to come to you, you push him away so that he comes towards you. Right. And that sounds like, like kind of kung fu bullshit, but uh, this is what grappling is, right? It's just kind of like a give and take pushes and pulls and stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> and and it's the same thing with striking. The problem with striking, like you know, if you could if you could go box for ten years, uh, you can fight, right? But it takes a very long time to get proficient at striking, um, in terms of timing, movement, all putting them together combinations. You can you can learn how to throw a punch in like thirty seconds. Um, but actually hitting another human being who doesn't want to be hit, um, especially if they're any good is, is a much harder thing. And, um, the other problem is that how do you train against a resisting opponent in a striking, um, art without beating the hell out of yourself, you right? Um, <clears throat> you can't until you get good, right. right? I mean, you could, you could just throw people in and start, start blasting each other. But there's going to be broken noses. There's going to be concussions. There's going to be, you know, uh, it, it's just it's unsustainable at an early level. Like I can't, you can't bring in a brand new person, teach them how to throw a jab, and then say, all right, fight, right? Because they're gonna, it's not going to go well. Right. Um, now that that's not to say that there's no value in that. My point is that with something like wrestling or jujitsu, you know, you're not, you're not going to find wrestling available for adults in a lot of places, but you can find jujitsu everywhere. Yeah. Um, we're in a town of 6,000 people here. And there's a jujitsu club here. Um, so there's jujitsu everywhere. You can go do it. And the, one of the great things about jujitsu, probably the best thing about jujitsu in terms of self-defense is that pretty much from the first day, first week, first month, whatever, but very early on, you're going to learn a technique and you're going to have to try to apply it to people who don't want it, want it done to them. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, there, there you go. Right. You have, you have fully resisting opponents from day one. Um, and on top of that, you're getting all of the feel of leverage, pushing and pulling um, also the very close contact, right? Because fights in real life attacks in real life don't happen outside of arm's length. They're like right here, right? It's in a very, very close, very uncomfortable uh, clinch type of a, type of a situation. So uh, you get very comfortable being in those in those weird, uncomfortable, unfamiliar positions. Yep. So there we go. That was a really long answer for saying do jujitsu unless you can <laughs> find a unless you can find a very good uh, Krav Maga instructor or a very good uh, combatives program. Um, if you're looking at Krav Maga, a couple things that you can do is uh, like if, if there's a few times that I've moved around and I've looked for a Krav Maga school. So the, the first thing I'm looking for is do they have a jujitsu program and do they have a sparring program? Mm. If they have a program where they regularly are sparring and they're regularly doing jujitsu, um, like they actually have a, like maybe the Krav Maga instructors of jujitsu purple belt or brown belt or something. Um, you're probably good, probably good to go. If it's just Krav Maga and Taekwondo, for example, or just Krav Maga and you see like, on their website that there's nobody doing any jujitsu, nobody competing in jujitsu, uh, nobody sparring, um, avoid it. It's probably not any good. Yep. I think that's a great answer. Um, I, I think, uh, going to a place that does the integrated stuff makes a lot of sense, especially after the experience that I had with you. 
And in the absence of that, jujitsu being top of your list is, is the way to go. Um, what I like about jujitsu especially is, back to your point about learning how to strike, you can learn how to strike and you can still get knocked out with a lucky punch. It's, uh, yep. it's kinetic warfare, it's chaos. Um, the beautiful thing about jujitsu is that you're out of range and then you're with your, your, your face to face, right? So you're, you're not spending any time in the person's striking range. The point is to close the distance, neutralize the threat, and then take the fight to the ground where you have the advantage. The other thing I like about jujitsu is that you could train for six months, let's say three, four days a week and be proficient significantly more proficient than someone that's never done grappling. Meaning if some knucklehead is is picking on you or causing a problem um, and you do have to defend yourself, uh, six months of boxing, you know, maybe, but six months of jujitsu, you've got a decent chance. White belts in jujitsu can be nasty, you know? Um, do it, becoming a purple belt like Nick and spending a whole bunch of time and years um, investing and becoming more proficient, of course, has a lot of value because then your just level of control and, and your capability goes up significantly. But the amount of things you learn as a novice in jujitsu um, are instantly applicable and are super valuable. So, and, and there's fantastic jujitsu instruction all over the country. So as, as, uh, as Nick said, he's in Iowa Park, Texas, and you've got a brown belt at your school. Um, you're a purple black belt. belt. You've got a black belt now. Nice. Did he get his black belt? Yeah, about uh, three months ago. Awesome. Um, so you can you can go all over the country and get fantastic jujitsu instruction. Um, so I, I definitely recommend doing that. And then Nick, uh, what would you recommend to somebody who, let's just say for whatever reason, doesn't want to do jujitsu, they've got a limitation, uh, or just in general would prefer to learn how to strike? What advice do you have for someone that's trying to find a place to, to learn striking? Yeah, let me let me back up a little bit to a couple of things you said. Uh, just some, some clarifications. Uh, listening to this, we're like screaming at their computer right now. So, um, first thing was, um, uh, yeah, the most, and, and this is actually to to uh, reinforce your point. The most dangerous guy in the room in a jujitsu school is the white belt who's been there for eight months. Um, and what I mean by that, not in terms of like dangerous to like the the brown belts and the black belts in the room. I mean, like the 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 likelihood that that um, he could get a submission, or he could accidentally elbow you in the face, or knock a tooth out, or uh, like like seriously crank on an elbow or a shoulder or a knee or something is very very real or because neck. they're just kind of, or a neck, yeah, <laughs> or they're they're just at that point where that that proficiency is starting to get there and the comfort is starting to get there. Um, but the, the control isn't quite there yet, but you take that guy outside of the, outside of the, the jujitsu school. And, uh, you know, you could say that that guy could fight, right. He could probably handle himself, uh, where that, like, like you said, that necessarily might not be the case with a, uh, with a guy who's just doing boxing or, or tie boxing or something. Um, <clears throat> the, the second thing is, and this is, uh, this is kind of important. So, um, because I didn't mention it, but I, I don't, I, I recommend jujitsu and there, there's some holes though in jujitsu, right? There's some, some big holes in terms of self-defense. One of them being that, uh, you generally aren't going to, uh, have the, the focus on self-defense in terms of like, how do you deal with a punch? How do you deal with, uh, somebody trying to kick you? Now, a lot, some of this stuff is inherent in just the way you train jujitsu, right? Somebody's if you're comfortable closing distance, you can deal with punches and it's an easy thing to add on. Um, but stand up is a big gaping hole in most people's jujitsu, uh, even, even stand up clinch fighting. Um, but in a self-defense, if you're, if you're thinking about jujitsu in terms of self-defense, um, you are doing it to get comfortable in the bad positions, comfortable on the ground with the intent of getting back on your feet. So mm -hmm. I don't want to, nobody should, should should take should take jujitsu with a self-defense focus and say i'm going to take this guy to the ground because it's probably the last thing you want to do uh when you're being attacked you want to stay on your feet but the way to stay on your feet is to get comfortable with grappling right mm -hmm. so uh, as a as a means to uh as a means to stay on your feet or to get back to your feet 
uh, jujitsu, again, if you're not comfortable being on the ground, if you're not used to being swept, if you're not used to popping back up, if you're not used to sprawling, um, you won't do it in a fight. So jujitsu gives you all those things, but, um, yeah, I'm not taking anybody to the ground. If it, you know, you're going to, you, you may fall down, right? You may get taken down, but, <clears throat> um, you generally aren't going to intentionally take somebody to the ground, uh, unless you have a, you're, unless you know that you're going to have a significant advantage, right? Um, so take that for what it's worth. Like, like I know that if I throw this guy this certain way, I'm going to land in this position. Maybe he'll hit hit his head on the ground, or like there's a weapon involved, and your best option is to just like terminal throw, like dump him on the ground, and, and just try to snatch his arm as as far away as you can from his body. But uh, staying on the feet, right? So, but you can't stay on the feet if you don't know how to grapple. So that's where jujitsu comes in. So with that in mind, would you say that the goal, the goal of jujitsu is to take people to the ground and, and, and bring the fight there, but the goal of self-defense is not, is that accurate? The goal of self-defense is to not get too fucked up, <laughs> right? To, to, uh, to make the best of a really shitty situation. Um, the, the best, the best self-defense, and I think you said this earlier is to not uh, is to not get into the fight. Right. Um, so yeah, if, if, if you find yourself in a fight, some things have gone terribly wrong, uh, because you're not searching for a fight. You're not going, you're not like going out trying to fight people. Um, otherwise it's not self-defense, right? You're just looking for a fight, but, uh, yeah, so shit has gone very badly. And there is a, there is a spectrum, right. Of, of how bad things can get. And if you're on your feet and you're conscious and you're mobile, um, that's all good. When the fight goes to the ground, you have you have removed an element of uh, from that, right? So you're moving more towards shitty because now you're not as mobile, right? Now, the more skilled you are on the ground, the less shitty that is. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Um, so so yeah, I think uh, the the goal of self defense is to is to win. And the going to the ground part just puts you further away from winning, in my opinion, because uh, a lot of bad shit can happen to you once you're on the ground. Yeah, there's a difference between putting somebody on the ground and taking the fight to the ground. Right. That's there's a, there's a distinction, distinction there. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're comfortable there and you're in full control, you're not actually fighting on the ground. You're on top of somebody and you've dominated them. Yep. Right. Um, but, yeah, like guys, guys will uh, – think that they're in a bar fight and they're going to, they're going to jump on a dude's back and rear naked choke him on the ground. That's cool. You know, it, it'll, it'll look great, but uh, there's a lot of problems with that, right? If, if the guy has one friend and he decides to kick you in the temple uh, with a steel toed boot on, you're fucked, you know? So maybe consider don't lay on the ground or how, just stay yeah, Or how about if the guy just, you know, jumps up and falls back and slams you into the ground head first. Sure. Kind of thing, right? sure. Um, so right. if you are going to go to the ground, Stay on top. Yeah, and I get. I guess uh, to back up a little bit, the the one of the primary things you want to do when you're thinking about so in jujitsu, right? You have you're creating opportunities, you're capitalizing on opportunities, you're uh, you're reacting to your opponent. So it's depending on what happens at any given time. There's kind of like this this uh, you can kind of imagine like okay, I'm in this position, and then these are the possible decisions. These are the possible variables these are all the things that can happen from here and then that's constantly shifting throughout that that fight right throughout that that match or that fight or whatever it is. so that's one of the cool things it's very it's very uh at the same time it's really simple but it's also extremely complex because depending on what the what each guy knows who's fighting things can go in all kinds of different ways so um so there's like these big giant decision trees that are kind of shifting all the time when you're doing jujitsu. Uh, in, in a self-defense context, your job is to minimize as many variables as possible uh, through, through skill or positioning or weapons or whatever, but, but you, you want to you take away as many variables as possible. And my, I guess my point is that going to the ground just opens up a new set of variables that you probably don't want to deal with. Yep. Does that clarify it a little bit more? <clears throat> yep. So what about, uh, what about striking? Do you have advice for somebody that wants to select a striking school? Uh, boxing or, or Muay Thai. Um, those are the, those are the ones, you know, uh, out of all the striking things, I mean, what else is there? there's karate, there's Taekwondo, 
um, there's uh, you you lose more and more of the elements of of uh, of it being realistic uh, because there's there's they're going to be bound by the rules of whatever it is that they're doing right mm -hmm. so a lot of taekwondo are going to have rules that uh, that are counter to like a real life fight so there there's elements of those uh, of those arts that remove reality for the sake of of following a rule set right so. Um, you know, I don't know what the rules are in Taekwondo. I, I just know it doesn't look like fighting. And, you know, I knew at one time, but I don't really care, but it doesn't look like a real fight, right? You're, you're not, um, the, the range is kind of, is, is different. Um, the, the level of, um, the, the level of, of control in terms of like being grounded and, uh, <clears throat> dealing with somebody who's trying to take you down. It's just not there. Right. So, uh, and it's the same thing with boxing, but at least, but again, with boxing, you have a resisting opponent, you're learning useful combinations, you're learning to hit really damn hard, really fast. So those are all useful skills. But I think, um, I think for, again, for self-defense, you need to have, you, you, it, it's absolutely critical that you have the clinch range, um, in your training, because that's where all, that's where all fights happen. If you can avoid it, if you're a boxer and you can move well, and you can avoid getting into a clinch you'll probably be fine, right? If you're a Thai boxer and you can avoid getting into a clinch and Thai boxers clinch just fine generally, but, um, but there, there, there's no training to deal with somebody going low generally. Right. Um, so it, it all, it all depends on how you train, I guess. But, uh, if you're serious about self-defense, you need to have the, cl the clinch range, meaning like within arm's length needs to be a, a significant part of what you do. Uh, if you're, if you're, if, if self-defense is what you want. <clears throat> yeah. That's one thing that struck me when I started uh, training with you, Nick, is that, um, the Greco stuff, you know, the wrestling on the feet is, uh, really, really useful. And I could see that being really important in a street fight in a self-defense situation. Um, and it's, the, it's a big hole. Let me I mean, make... I've got a decent clinch in Muay Thai, but, uh, uh, against a guy like you that knows Greco, it's, uh, you've got a whole skill set that I'm not aware of, you know? Well, let me make a let me make a follow up point to that. You can always a, a person who has a good clinch uh, can be taught to strike effectively pretty quickly, and can be taught to ground fight effectively pretty quickly. Where when you when you've got habits built up from striking and from just doing straight jujitsu, um, it, it it takes a little bit longer to uh, to to tack those things on, right? Where the 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 clinch serves as kind of like a, a uh, <clears throat> as a range and a skill set that allows you to build off of very, very easily. You can, you can add striking, you can add uh, groundwork, you can add weapons to a clinch where if all you've done is striking, you've still got to learn the ground stuff. You still got to learn the clinch. You still got to learn the weapon. Uh, if, if all you've done is jujitsu, you still got to learn the striking, you got to learn everything else after that. Right. So uh, the, the um, yeah, if I were to kind of summarize everything, you want to be working in the clinch if, if self-defense is what you want. Yep. Yeah, and one of the benefits of that is for guys that don't know how to fight in the clinch, which is probably most people, um, it's difficult to to be effective at throwing wild, untrained strikes when you're at such a close distance, which is one of the things right. I like about Muay Thai because elbows work great. If I can see your eye, I can throw an elbow at you. Um, I just need a couple of inches. Um, back to your point about picking a striking art. I would also say that, uh, well, well, a couple things. If you are, if the martial art you're looking at has black belts that are 12 years old, that's probably not good. <laughs> if you can become an expert by 12, um, there's something missing there, you know? Uh, right. And um, if you're picking a, a boxing or a Muay Thai gym, definitely go to one that spars. You've got to spar because you can hit the bag all day long and you can learn how to punch, you can learn how to kick, but that does not mean you know how to fight because distance, right. angle, dodging punches, setting up punches, it's a completely different situation. And I've seen lots and lots of guys that are good on the bag um, get into their first sparring match, get cracked, turn their back, and just get pummeled, you know. So, right. so testing striking in a real scenario is important. Um, so if you're, if you actually want to learn this stuff and not just learn how to go through the motions, you've got to spar 
and sparring means putting yourself at risk, unfortunately. Um, right. If you want to go to a, a great place where you know the instruction you're getting is quite good and striking, um, choose a school that has a fight team. Choose a school that has a winning fight team. So, for example, I chose uh, Bryce Krause when I lived in Southern California. He's got a school in Costa Mesa called Rising Suns Muay Thai. And that's as close as you're going to get to Thailand. And he's got little kids on, on his fight team. I don't know how old, six, eight years old, all the way up through adults. And these are people that are regular people, not pros, but they're testing themselves in the ring. And the things they learn through the process of um, learning the skill, applying the skill in the gym, and then applying the skill in the ring, that is an extremely valuable process, both physically and psychologically. So if right. you're if you're young, I would say, um, you wanna get into striking, cool. If you're 40 plus and you wanna start sparring Muay Thai, if I were you, I'd do jujitsu first. I just don't think it's worth the, uh, it the takes, brain damage. It takes longer to acquire the skill yeah. for jujitsu, a lot longer. Um, for striking the base level skills for jujitsu. Um, and, and you can, it's it just in my experience, you can take a grappler and teach him to strike, um, taking a striker and teaching him to grapple takes longer. It just takes longer because they, they don't have any idea on, on the, the range and, uh, and, and there's habits and stuff. But, uh, if you, if you're building up from, from, uh, grappling to striking, there's already leverage and just intuitively that like people understand leverage and movement and, uh, and, and timing and you can layer on striking fairly and that won't be it won't be as good as somebody who's just striking right it won't be as technically uh it won't be as pretty but uh but if you've already got the fighting skill uh and, and i don't by fighting skill i mean like the base things like uh positioning and leverage if you've already got those things ingrained from grappling it's much easier to layer on striking on top of that um <clears throat> and just another point on on just doing striking for self-defense uh look if somebody if you're going to fight somebody who is trying to attack you what's the likelihood that that guy has been in more fights than you um <laughs> even if he doesn't even if he doesn't know how to fight yeah but he's been there more often than you um way more often than you right cuz you just started striking in a gym in air conditioning wearing comfortable clothes with gloves on uh and maybe you've sparred a few times but that guy's been fighting maybe his whole life Yep. Uh, and, and not, and not just fighting for fun, but for survival. Right. So you are, uh, you're, you're way behind, man. Uh, and you, you've got to, you've got to have such an overwhelming level of proficiency to deal with somebody like that. Uh, I mean like literally a fucking animal, you've yep. got to, you've got to have such a level of proficiency to deal with that. Um, and, and good luck getting that in six months or a year. Um, it takes a lot of experience. Yeah. The, the killer instinct and the ag aggression and the ability to move forward while feeling pain, those are all X factors and it'd be a horrible situation to learn, to learn about those when you're in the midst of a, of a confrontation. Um, yep. And when, if you've seen a street fight with people that have those characteristics, you really get the sense of just how extremely different those people are than, than your average person. And, and th those are dangerous situations. So again, you want to avoid those as often as possible. Yes. And as soon as you start training in anything, if you're, if you're a smart person, you realize how much you, especially when you take a self-defense focus on things, you start to realize how much you really want to avoid a bad situation. Um, you, you just, you just don't want any, any part of it. Like train hard enough in the gym that you don't feel the urge to have to go fight people, um, that you're just become more calm in nature. Uh, and, and you just don't need to, you just don't need that anymore in your life. <laughs> Um, because it's not good. Shit can go very badly, very quickly. Um, even, even if you're very good, yep. like even if you're very proficient, you can get, you can get fucked up by somebody who's, uh, by some dude on the street, who's not very good at anything. Um, but just got you that day. Right. I'll just say this. So, like, so I've been personally involved in situations with people who on paper are, are very proficient, you know, and, and even not even just on paper, but like, you know, somebody who's teaching you stuff and you're like, you're like, whoa, you know, this, this dude knows what he's doing. Um, but I've, I've been involved in situations in, in the real world, right. Outside of the, outside of the gym, um, where through a variety of factors, right. Time, uh, like the time of day, the, uh, partying before fatigue, 
so on and so forth. But uh, somebody is out looking to do a specific thing, um, looking to get into a fight. And you're out looking to have a good time, right? You're, you're just having a good time. And then uh, ego and posturing and all the male shit comes into play and you decide you're going to fight these dudes. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the guy who, uh, who you think could just maul anybody. And again, maybe they've done this in the ring. Maybe they've done this in an MMA cage, uh, just, just fucking mauled and run through people. And then all of a sudden the dude's knocked out on the, on the, on the side of the road because he slipped, right? Hit his head on the curb. And another dude who shall remain nameless is getting stabbed. Just hypothetically. Um, and then, just hypothetically. Just hypothetically. Yeah. Another dude's getting stabbed and then another dude's uh, running around with a giant gash on his face, right? And just fighting these guys who have no skill, like no skill at all. Yeah. So, yeah. So shit can go pretty bad and uh, you want to avoid all that kind of stuff. And the deeper you get into it, the more skilled you become. You start attending classes like uh, like ECQC, Extreme Close Quarters con- Concepts with, uh, with Shivworks, with Craig Douglas. And you know, even, even for as long as I've been doing this, I go to that course and I'm like, fuck, I, I don't want to be involved in anything like this. Like I'm going to do like the first, the first day, the four hours, of the first day is basically how to avoid shitty situations. And then the, the whole rest of the weekend is like, well, what do you do now that you're in a shitty situation? <laughs> right. So two full days on drawing a gun, shooting from retention, fighting over the gun. Uh, but you leave that understanding that that first four hours on Friday night where you're trying to avoid and you're trying to diffuse and you're trying to talk your way out of shit. That's the most important part of that class because, um, the people who are good at being, um, at dominating other people physically and emotionally, uh, are, are good at doing that. And we're not good at doing that. Like we're normal people, right? We're not used to imposing our will, through violence and intimidation on somebody <clears throat> and somebody who is good on good at that is going to wait until the opportunity presents itself. And they're going to create that opportunity. Um, you know, they'll lower your guard. They'll, they'll confuse you. They'll uh, whatever, whatever happens, but uh, you know, you, you don't want to be in the middle of it before you realize that I'm in the middle of a bad thing right now. Yep. Right? So yep. <clears throat> let's talk about the point you made about ego. Some of the calmest, least confrontational people I know are the most skilled. And I think that's the exact reason that you outlined. Um, It's a shame in our society that uh, combat and combat training is not more common, because I think it's really important. I think it's really important, uh, especially for men, for both sexes, but I I can speak as as a man um, with the ego and all the bullshit that comes along with being a guy. um, If you get that out in the gym, your chances of getting into a nasty situation out in the real world are, are so much lower. And so I would say if you're under 30, uh, or if you have kids, this is something you want to think about. You know, if you can, if you can expose young people to the reality of, of violence and the reality of, of physical confrontation, that's a very good level set and ego check, firstly. Secondly, it's a great way to get out aggressive energy. So just the the right. willingness and desire to do that stuff in the first place uh, is gone. And then lastly, it's, it's fun. Like when I'm, I'm rolling with my buddies, yeah. we're like, uh, we're like, you know, dogs at the park, uh, running around playing games. It's, it's, we're just having a great time being physical and, and um, starting strength is all about having uh, an improved physical existence. And if you get big and strong, um, you can use that in a bunch of awesome ways. And, uh, Every time I get a chance to roll with Nick, I do because it's a hell of a good time and I learn something new. It's one of my favorite things to do. I, I very much enjoy the physical aspect of martial arts. So for those reasons, I think it's worth looking at this stuff. Yeah, you, you strip away a lot of the bullshit in, your, uh, in, in the way you think about yourself and the way you think about other people when, you, when you're constantly testing yourself um, against, another, uh, against another person. Um, and it's it's something that that we don't experience in our in our lives at all. For some people, never right. They they never put themselves under that kind of uh, pressure, under that kind of uh, <clears throat> under those kinds of conditions where you have to where you have to humble yourself and, and realize that you uh, that you suck at something, and you know there's a small potential for injury, 
and it's a little bit scary and so on, right? So I say this, uh, I've, I've, I've kind of said this a few times in different uh, talks. Like we talked, I just talked to John Valentine, who's going to be uh, who's going to be helping with the uh, the lift shoot fight camp. Uh, so he's going to be doing the the pistol stuff and a lot of the combative stuff. But uh, look, the violence is in our in our DNA. You know, from the from the beginnings of humanity, violence has been a part of the deal. So you, we, I really think that everybody needs to have a a relationship with violence, even if it's in a controlled, uh, it, especially if you can do it in a controlled environment, right? Like in a in a jujitsu gym, under control, <clears throat> learning skill, uh, burning up some physical energy, and also testing yourself against an, against an opponent. There's going to be situations. There's going to be times. Uh, even in a in a in the best of jiu-jitsu schools where you're gonna have to roll with somebody and be like, fuck, I really don't want to roll with this guy today, right? Or ever, right? And then and then you just do it and then it's fine. But uh there's there's few opportunities in today's world where you can uh where you can put yourself up against that kind of quote unquote adversity, right? Where you can have a situation that you maybe are unsure about, you're not really wanting to do, but you force yourself to do it. And, uh, and, and you've done it and it's great. Right. <clears throat> so the ego check, the, uh, just the, the tapping into our innate, uh, c- capability for violence is important because I think the, the more you suppress that and the more people get away from, uh, like their physical existence and just thinking that their feelings and what they think and intellectually what's going on is the most important thing. Uh, you lose the you lose the grounding, and a lot of the, the 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 people that are the most full of shit are the ones that are the least physical. You know, it's strong uh, in terms of fighting capability. You know, all all this stuff that we consider to be physical um, physical attributes. Uh, the most full of shit people are the ones that are first furthest away from that. Um, what that's just my opinion, right? But what, what percentage <clears throat> of men would you estimate? are overconfident about their ability to defend themselves if a situation popped up. A hundred percent. I agree. A hundred percent. Every single one. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Every single one. Yep. That's why it's important to go to something where you actually, like, like if you're serious, you know, if you're serious about this, um, you've, you've got to put yourself in, in situations where you, uh, where you might lose. Um, and there's a safe way to do that, right? You can go to a class, like you can go to a shivers class and work with uh, munitions. And you can have somebody there who uh, doesn't want to get shot and you also don't want to get shot and you both have a gun and, and then Craig says, ready, go. <laughs> and then who wins, right? And sometimes you win, a lot of times you lose, but either way you, you learn a ton from that. And you don't want that to be, you don't want that kind of thing to happen for the first time in a real life situation. With if you live rounds. It, yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Speaking of weapons, let's uh, let's end the conversation there. What uh, when do you recommend if someone's interested in learning weapons for self defense? At what point in their progression do you recommend they start learning weapons? What weapons do you recommend for someone to to learn, and how do you suggest they go about doing that? Um, what do you mean by what do you mean by just weapons in general? Yeah. So, uh, uh, which let's start with which weapons. So, if someone's going to get into weapons, um. Which do you recommend learning first? Well, you, you learn how to fight, and then the weapons are tools that you add on, right? So, um, I don't want to. I don't want to. And look, this is there's there's martial arts, right? There's like Filipino martial arts that focus on knives, and it's kind of the opposite approach. It's like here's the here's the knife, and they'll disagree, right? They'll say that this isn't actually what they do, but like here's a here's a tool, and here's a system around using that specific tool. Um, and here's a stick and here's a, here's a system for using that stick. Um, if you look at it from a, from a fundamental perspective, uh, you, you need to learn how to fight. You need to learn how to grapple. You need to learn how to clinch fight. And then you layer on things on top of that. So, um, somebody who can fight, if they're proficient, if they can, if they can hit, they can clinch, they can grapple. Um, you should be able to put a stick or a knife, or a screwdriver, or a piece of wood, or a magazine in their hands, and they should be able to be effective, 
right? Now there's skill that you can layer on top of that to make it more efficient and more effective, right? So, you know, if, if, um, <clears throat> if you have, let's say a knife and you are a good grappler and you add some kind of knife skills on top of that, obviously that's a better thing, but it's, it's better to get the fighting skill first and then add the weapons, add the tools on top of that. So back to kind of a thing I said earlier, <clears throat> it's easier to teach somebody how to fight with a knife who knows how to fight, who knows how to grapple, who knows how to punch, um, where somebody who knows how to use a knife, like there's an awesome video running around the internet right now, this dude at like a knife counter at a store and the guy hands him a knife and then he does this like shit. He's like, like this thing. Um, and, and it looks super awesome, but uh, that, that doesn't look like a fight. That doesn't look like a fight. And people spend years and years and years doing this, these movements, these kind of choreographed dueling movements. Um, and that's great. But w what's the context? Like, how do you, how do you plug that into to an actual fight? Uh, when did the knife come out? When did you realize you needed a knife? Um, like, why do you have a knife out in the first place, right? So all these things need to be in place first. So there's some decision-making, there's some clinch work that went into that, there's some striking, there's some movement, uh, maybe even before the knife ever came out. So does that make sense? So you got to know how to fight first and then, and then the weapons. So, uh, so which weapons? Uh, look, a, a knife is a blade and it doesn't miss, it doesn't, it doesn't misfire, doesn't double feed, it doesn't, um, it, it always works, right? Even if it's dull, it's going to, it's going to create some damage. So that's not, uh, I mean, I, people will disagree with this, but it's not like a super high skill thing. Um, you should carry a knife, you should carry a knife for opening Amazon boxes, and you should carry a separate knife for self-defense purposes, if that's what you want to do. Um, <clears throat> so knives are, knives are, and knives are cool as hell, right? But uh, when you when you start talking about like a, a, a gun, a pistol or a rifle, now you've got a whole other skill set that you've got to learn and get proficient at. So um, if if carrying a gun is your is is one of the things that you're going to layer onto your fighting, uh, you've got to start doing it now, and you've got to get really good at it. You've got to you've got to get good at shooting. You've got to be comfortable with the gun, um, and then at some point you've got to integrate the two things: the fighting with the with the the skill with the gun um <clears throat> because you know in reality how uh drawing a gun from a concealment or from a bag and pulling it out and shooting somebody is one thing and that's like yeah okay those are some i, I don't want to say they're basic skills but that's kind of what essentially what you're training for right you're drawing a gun you're shooting it but think about that versus you're in a situation where somebody comes up to you and during the course of, a, of an encounter with another human being who may be trying to confuse you, deceive you, um, or just hurt you, at some point a knife, a, a gun comes, gets into the fight. How did the gun come? How did the gun get into the fight? You had to draw the gun. They had to draw a gun. Uh, and how does that happen? You know, because it doesn't happen. It, it, it doesn't happen where like, it's a, it's a race, you know, cause as soon as you start going for a gun, if the other guy knows what's up and he goes for your gun, if he doesn't go for your gun and you pull it out and you shoot the guy, okay, that's great. But what if now you're fighting over a gun, right? He recognizes there's a gun and he grabs it. Um, it's not, you know, it's, it's not the movies where you can just shoot somebody guns. When, as soon as hands get on guns, they're going to, they're going to fail. They're going to jam. They're going to double feed. The magazine's going to pop out. Um, on top of the possibility of you getting your gun taken away and used against you, right? So you see what I'm saying? It's, it gets super like complicated in depth, but back to my original point, if you know how to fight, it's easier to layer these things on top of that than the other direction, which is uh, I have a gun, I'm safe, I'm good. And then a moment comes in your life where you need to draw the gun under stress, under pressure in the middle of a fight, and you don't have the skills to be able to do that. <clears throat> Got it. How do you now, choose a good? It's super unlikely that. Go ahead. Let me just make this one point because I realize it's super unlikely that that'll ever happen to me or you or anybody watching this. Very, very unlikely, right? The the, the possibilities are very low. But if you're thinking about self defense, um, why not do something that matters? Like why not train to proficiency at a at, at on on these on these complicated and dangerous situations? 
because then everything else becomes easier, right? Because people will dismiss this and say, well, that'll never happen, you know, but okay, none of this could ever happen to you. That's cool. That's fine. But if you're choosing to train for self-defense, make it effective. Got it. And um, how, how do you recommend people select a shooting instructor? Um, it's a good question. Um, I don't know the answer to it, by the way, because I've had several and I've had basically every different one teach me stuff yeah, in different same. ways. And um, right. it's hard for me to, as a, as someone that doesn't know what he doesn't know, it's hard to know what's more correct or less correct, more effective, less effective. Um, yeah, honestly, it, honestly, at the beginning, if you're just starting out, it doesn't matter too much. Like you, um, it would be better if you could find somebody good word of mouth, you know, um, is, is great. Uh, so there's there are so many training classes available by really highly qualified people um and by qualified i don't mean like um they were you know operator in x unit you know and then did this and this and this i mean like good good teachers good coaches so there's there's a lot of those people around so word of mouth um but if you're if you've just bought your first gun just go take a class it doesn't matter what it is um you may they may teach some shitty stuff whatever but you know you're getting some instruction you're getting familiar with the gun and then as you get better uh do your own reading and and watch videos and see who you like and see if you can get into a class with them um you know so uh, just off the top of my head like if if i'm looking for a a, a, a shooting instru- a, a class to go to anybody who's associated with modern samurai project i'm going to pay them to go do a class with them um my my coach who like uh i'm his worst client ever because i hardly ever uh like I, I don't regularly do my my workouts but uh my my shooting coach is is uh ian strimbeck rune nation uh, is his company so he does remote coaching he's great his classes are really really good um and this is like online coaching for strength training just for people that aren't familiar so you're doing dry fire yeah, you're, you're recording yourself you're right. recording yourself at the range right right yep uh green ops is another company that's out there Fieldcraft survival is another company that's out there and so when i when i look at a a, a class i want to go to that i'm going to pay money for i'm generally searching out people who do all of this stuff that i'm interested in right so they're integrating uh fighting with pistol work um i'm not super excited about guys who are just and, and not to not to minimize anybody right but like a big name who's who's very popular um I don't really care about that. I, I really want to have a good coach who, who understands fighting. Like if they're, if they're, if they've been doing jujitsu for a long time, if they've been involved in self-defense for a long time and they teach a great pistol class, that's, that's who I want to go to. So um, just off the top of my head, that's who I'm uh, people I'm thinking about. While we're talking, I've been noticing a theme here, which is uh, whatever physical endeavor you pursue, definitely get a coach, whether you're trying to get stronger you're trying to learn how to grapple, wrestle, strike, shoot. It's way easier and your progression is much, much faster. If you have a pro who's done it before and has taught other people how to do it before, guiding you along the way. Um, so we can wrap up here, Nick, unless there's anything else you want to add. Um, no, look, it's, it's very, it's really easy to, uh, like we, we've covered a lot of topics and a lot of ground here. Um, and, and it's just like, it's just like people who want to start doing strength training. Um, just, just start, man, you know, just find somebody, uh, and just, and just get started. You'll figure it out along the way. Um, nothing terrible will happen if you don't have the absolute best instructor, if you don't have the absolute best coach, um, for any of these things. So just, just get started, get into it. And then as you get some experience and you want to go deeper, you want to find better, uh, better instruction, better resources, better information, um, that happens as a result of the process. Don't, uh, don't wait to get started on something like this, on self-defense, on fighting, on boxing, on jujitsu, on learning how to use a pistol. Uh, don't wait for the exact perfect opportunity. Just, just start. Um, and, and then, you know, honestly, most people give it up that most people quit. You know, if there's a hundred people that start boxing or start jujitsu, there'll be three who continue for two years. 
Um, so, so just start and see if it's something you like, see if it's something you're into and then start asking questions and start finding better resources. And then your kind of your, your journey or whatever will, will morph and you'll, you'll uh, build up some good training over the years. But, you know, you could spend the next three months researching and thinking about things and trying to find exactly the right, perfect information and making sure you're going to the exact same guy where you could have just spent three months training, even if it's not the best training in the world, but you're gaining some experience, right? So, um, these are all things that take a very long time to get good at. <clears throat> and uh, the better you are at them, the more you realize that there's even more uh, levels and it's even more difficult than you thought it was. So, uh, so don't, don't wait, you know, three months of uh, hesitating to start jujitsu is three months wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it applies to any of this stuff. Yep. And I would also add that if you do decide to learn something, be focused, try to learn one thing at a time. And uh, if you're going to do it once a week or less, you're not going to make much progress. I think for most of the stuff, let me know if you disagree, Nick, but I can, I can definitely speak to striking. I can speak to shooting. um, I can speak to strength training uh, and, and grappling. So, you know, three plus days a week, if you want to get proficient, if you want to learn something one day, um, not have forgotten it by the time your next session comes around and build upon that learning. You've got to do it pretty regularly. Yeah. Regularly is the key. So um, yeah, one, one time a week is not the best. Two times seems to be the sweet spot if you're going to do something for a very long time. Right. So the, the guys who, the guys who come in and they, and they start training and they go five days a week, most of the time they're going to burn out and they're, they're not going to be around for much longer. So um, the, the point is there's gotta be a balance, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can, if the more days that you can train, the, the better, but don't go so hard into something that it, that it ruins the rest of your life. And then you have to make a decision of whether you can keep doing this thing or you're gonna, uh, or you're gonna like live a more reasonable life. Right. So anything that you do, try to integrate it into your life, uh, in a, in a way that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think in general, two, two times a week, you know, you can get away with, uh, like if you can dry fire once a week, that's, that's fine. You know, get to the range once a month or so dry fire once a week. Um, that's kind of minimums there. Uh, but, but, but again, dry firing is something that you can do literally every day, very easily. Something like going to a gym and doing jujitsu. Uh, if you can go three times a week, you're going to make some serious progress. If you can go four, obviously you're going to make way more progress. Um, just because you can't fake the, the mat time, you can't fake the experience. You have to get the experience. So, um, for most people, your strength training, you're doing a bunch of stuff two, three times a week, two is, is, should be your target. If you can go more, do it. Uh, but again, integrate it in your life. Yep. Yep. Really good stuff, Nick. That was, that was a, that was really good information. Thanks for sharing. I want to share the, uh, you, the dates for your lift shoot <clears throat> fight event one more time. So if you're watching this before, April 30th, May, uh, uh, April 30th, 2022, Nick is hosting an event at the Wichita Falls Athletic Club in Texas, April 30th to May 1st, lift, shoot, fight, sign up link is on startingstrength.com. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, and it'll be, yep, one more quick thing, it'll be Rip, me, and John Valentine is the other instructor, so look at the, uh, look at the listing on our website for the, uh, for the information on that. Hope to see you guys there. All right, thanks again.